So today I want to talk about the boundaries of authority. The boundaries of the believer's authority. Now, you may be thinking, well, God is sovereign. Yes, but okay, God is sovereign. God is sovereign in the sense that, you know, is no one can come, no one can compare to his level of authority and power. He's supreme, he's a supreme authority. But in the sovereignty of God, God is not controlling everything. Because if God was controlling everything, um, it should be controlling you too. So when people have this ideology or this thinking that God is sovereign, that he controls everything, so the question we should be asking them is, why is he not controlling you? And if we say that God is controlling everything, are we saying that God is the one controlling people who are doing bad stuff? Because we know that each time we want to do something, we want to take a step, or we want to, act, we want to take an action, we know that we always have, most of the time, we have a choice to either do the positive or the negative. When we do the positive, we do get a good outcome. When we do the negative, we do get a negative outcome. So, who, I mean, so, and some of us, when we do the negative, we, we kind of regret, you know, taking the negative step. So, what I'm trying to say is this. What was behind your decision making? Was that God or you? So, when people say God is sovereign from the point of he's controlling everything, including the murder, the, 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 the stealing, the theft, and all, kind, all manner of evil that people do, uh, when people say that, they're simply saying that God is a one walking through people to do those things. The Bible tells us that there's no evil in God. I'm going somewhere. There's no evil in God. God does not do evil. I think sometimes people see God as one big, giant spirit somewhere in heaven who is schizophrenic, bipolar. Today is happy, tomorrow is sad. Who is watching you looking for an opportunity to wipe you with the club if you make a mistake? And they see Jesus as this lovely, loving, nice, amazing person. If you take your time to read the book of John, Jesus said, my father and I, John 10, 30, he said, my father and I are one. John chapter 5, he said, the miracles, the things you see me do are the things I see my father do. As my father raised the dead, I raised the dead. So as you think about God, don't think God is bipolar. Today is happy, it can be sad, it can be excessive in his emotional reaction and have a negative, and, you know, a kind of negative reaction. And Jesus is the, oppo is the opposite. no. Now, the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus is the representation of God. Jesus is the exact representation of God. Now, Jesus is God come in human flesh. Now, what Jesus came to do is to show us who God is, how God is in a human form to a degree. And he came to show us how to live the Christian life. He came to show us what is available to us. He came to reconcile us, reunite us back to the Father. Amen. So, having said that, what I'm saying is this. Now, if God is sovereign and is not controlling you and will not control you because he's not the devil, demons are the ones who, who try to hijack your will and force you to do things. If God can control people and God controls people, everyone will be, I said last week, everyone will be as very nice as me. I'm joking. I'm nice, but maybe, <laughs> maybe sometimes I can be... I can be very, very direct. Amen. So the summary is this. God is not controlling anyone. God is sovereign because he's supreme. He's supreme authority. 
and even in that, he expects you to submit to his authority. He will not, he will not, and he will never hijack your will. So whatever thing people do, especially in the, in, in the negative sense, they will reap the consequences of their action. So God is not the one punishing people when they make mistakes or when they do something wrong, especially in this day and age. Now the devil is the one punishing his own people who are not saved. And Romans 6, 16 tells us that when we give ourselves, whomever we give ourselves slaves to, uh, to obey that person's slave we have. It might sound technical. Simply, what the Bible is saying there is this. If you are doing bad stuff, you make yourself slave to the king of bad stuff, the devil. I'm using stuff because I, so like, teenagers can get me, right? Adults, you can get it. If you are doing evil stuff, ungodly stuff, now, if you are doing those things, you make yourself a slave to the devil. Okay, let's read it so that, so that it doesn't sound like I'm picking up stuff on my own. Uh, I'm just making up stuff. Romans 6, 16. Let's go there very quickly. I'm Romans 6, 16. Bible Gateway. Is it Bible Gateway? No. You version. You version. I use the Bible Gateway on my, on my desktop. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Now, I'm reading the New King James. It's, it reads, it said, uh, do, you, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves uh, to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether sin leading to death or obedience or of obedience leading to righteousness? So when you, do, when you obey God, right, you, are, you, you find yourself in, in a safe split safe and peaceful space sometimes maybe not in the short term but in the long term you will be better off than people who are doing or practicing evil because sometimes sin and evil gives you a quick fix a quick feeling of pleasure a quick feeling of satisfaction but the end always leads to destruction think about any kind of sin sexual immorality think about anything you've enjoyed the pleasure in a sense but after afterward the consequences are usually far outweigh the momentary pleasure that you get. So when the Bible says that somebody who commits adultery is dumb, they are not thinking, the Bible is very correct because it's just, it's just common sense that all of the nudity and all of the obscenity and all this nonsense on social media and on movies that are being glamorized and presented to you as if that's the best. That, I mean, this is you are missing out if you're not practicing it. The Bible tells us that the, the consequences of it, and that the consequences far outweighs the pleasure. So if you choose to walk in the reality of the truth, right, you would not embrace those ideology on social media. You would not participate in it. You would not feed on it. Amen. That's a word for someone. So I hope we got that. So let's get back on track talking about the boundaries of your authority. So I've tried to establish that God is sovereign, is supreme in authority, but he does not control people. So this, the, the point is this. Now, if God does not and cannot, you know, even though he cannot, <laughs> i got to say this with caution. But if God does not control all things, he's not, con- he's not casting out all demons on earth. So what makes you think that you as a believer, you can cast out any demon? 
you can bring out strong, you can bring down, pull down strongholds in cities. What makes you think you can do that? You know, you hear all manner of things that pulling down strongholds in cities and all this kind of stuff. I hope you're getting it. What I'm trying to say is this. God recognizes the boundary. Let me, know, okay, let me do a good job here. Let me explain to you. I'll summarize it. In future, I'll be able to explain it to you better because I don't want to go off topic. Now, the Bible says that the earth God has given, has committed to the sons of men. Everything God created on earth, I mean, he has given the stewardship of the earth to human beings. Adam committed high treason and he relegated that authority, that right of ownership, in a sense, dominion. He relegated, he gave it, he handed over to Satan. And Satan confirmed that, speaking to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Now, Adam have, have a right of ownership on earth. Now, Adam, representing, representing humanity, have right of ownership until a certain point. So, as, put it this, think about it this way. Now, so let's assume that you go into a lease contract with a landlord. So, the landlord leased out, um, leased out a property to you for seven years. Do you know that if that landlord and you get signed a contract and you know everything done, now anything you do in that property, the part of the contract is that you have right to do whatever you like in that property, right? The property, the property is yours for that seven years. Watch this. Now, if that landlord tries to step in and break the contract, you have the right to sue him. You know that, right? If he tries to take that property from you or tries to control what you do in that property, you have the right to sue the landlord because the contract you signed was exclusive right to do anything in that property and uh, for seven years. Likewise, God gave humanity exclusive right to do anything on earth, to own everything on earth. He recommended, he suggested, he advised us to keep things, to pro- you know, you know, to replenish the earth, which is to, you know, you know recycle, recycle, let me put it that way, recycle, let me just, <laughs> recycle things, right, to make it safe a little bit. Now, so God gave us, gave humanity through, through Adam exclusive right to do anything on earth. Now, Adam, I think maybe, let's put it this way, in year, in the first month of given the right to do, to do anything on earth, in a sense. Now, in the first month, he committed high treason. And he, you know, he, he submitted, uh, carelessly submitted that right of lease to Satan. And that's why the Bible says Satan is a god of this world. Now, watch this. Now, that, let's, we say you, let's use the seven years contract as uh, illustration. So, that seven years contract still stand. But now, because... Adam committed high treason, sinned, obeyed the devil, made Satan lord of his life. So Satan now owns the earth. I mean, has a right of control, right of ownership, uh, specific to the lease. Has that right to do whatever he likes, he wants to do on earth. So Jesus came into this world to deliver us from the control of Satan. So now, when we give our life to Christ, when we make Jesus Lord over our life, 
Satan no longer has a right to control us, but he still has a right to control things in that space. Don't forget, Adam submitted himself to Satan. Satan became his God, and Satan kind of hijacked that contract from Adam. So Adam submitted that contract, that lease contract that God gave him, he gave it to Satan. So until that lease is over, God cannot step in to do anything. That's why in some instances when, like for instance, book of, I think Mark chapter 5, when Jesus met a man who was demon-possessed, what did he say? He said, have you come to destroy us before our time? Because demons know that they have a right to operate on earth until certain time. So for a man and a woman, a Christian, to think they can banish the devils out of the world, I'm trying to be nice today because today's a Christmas jumper day, right? They are not thinking straight. Do you think you are more powerful than Jesus? If Jesus did not, while he was on earth, if Jesus did not cast out all demons out of the earth, what makes a person think they can? It is a very clear indication that those people don't know the word of God. Satan is the God of this world and he has a right to do anything he wants to do here as long as that lease of Adam remains. Until that lease is over, Nothing's going to happen here. I mean, there's nothing any believer can do to cast demons out of the head of regions, of cities, and things like that. Does it make sense? So, what I'm trying to say is this. There's a limit. There's a boundary to the authority of a believer. So, when we say boundaries, let me define, let me give you a dictionary definition I found. So, boundary is defined as, uh, uh, let me see this. One second, guys. A limit of something, you know, abstract, especially a subject or sphere of activity. Sphere, S-P-H-E-R-E. Sphere of activity. Now, we are spiritual beings, right? We, when we talk about authority, we know it's not something visible to the eyes because the, the, the forces and the powers we are dealing with are not human beings. Ephesians chapter 6 uh, verse ten, from verse 10 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in missing kings. <laughs> spiritual wickedness in high places, in the spiritual realm. Now, the Bible makes us understand that Jesus has authority in the spiritual realm, on earth and under the earth. And we are what? We are subject. We are, we are members of the body of Christ. Now, let me tell you something. I don't know. Some people may have seen a demon or something or something, but I'll say to you that the powers and the forces of evil operating in this world through people are invisible. They are invisible. When you see murder, you see all manner of evil going on out there, you can't see the demon operating it, but you can see the person operating. You can see the person carrying out the instruction or being used by demons to destroy. Amen. So to say that in exercising your authority, it's about controlling people or casting people out of a place is to be, is to be wrong. I'm going to get into that shortly. I, I, was, I was trying to follow a train of thought in my mind and I found myself there, but I'm going to clarify that shortly. So let's carry on. So boundary. So there's a limit. So in the, in the spiritual sphere, 
or in yeah, as we are spirit beings, right? Because the power of God is not tangible to the eyes. So if the power of God is not tangible to the eyes, I mean, it's not, you can't see it with your two eyes. What does that mean? The, the, the believer's authority is spiritual. So it, the Bible tells us, I said we're going to read it last week, right? So let's go to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Let me go there for, very quickly. Ephesians. Let me take verse 16. No, let me further down. Now, um, let's take from verse 20. Uh, talking about the power. So the, the previous, the preceding verses to 20 was talking about God's power at work in us. Now it says, which he walked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality uh, and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. But where what I want us to pay attention, close attention to is, verse two, is, is, is the middle part or the end part of verse 20. So which, talking about the past, so which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Now let's go to uh, next, next chapter and verse 6. It says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God raised Jesus by his own power to his right hand. Right hand means authority. Give him authority. Excuse me. And the Bible says to us in Ephesians 2, 6 here, that as God was raising Jesus from the dead, as many as come to Jesus, who has come to Jesus, we are in him. We were raised together with him to that place of authority. Some of, many, many of you guys are, are, are connecting online, right? And I'm very sure if you were physically in the heavenly places, you guys won't be on Zoom. Amen. You guys wouldn't be there if you were physically in the heavenly places. So there are two things there. So it's either the Bible is lying about your position or we need to redefine authority, position of authority. So the Bible is saying to us here, that spiritually, positionally, as a believer, who is a spirit, you are in a place of authority with Christ Jesus. I repeat, you are in a place of authority with Christ Jesus. Where Jesus is, at the right hand of the Father, place of authority, the Bible says you are seated with him there. So you have authority. Amen. You have authority. I'm trying to establish the fact that spiritual uh, Christianity is a spiritual is is a spiritual life. It's not something you can see with your two with your, with your physical eyes. Amen. So since defining um, boundaries of authority, so we're talking about that sphere of the spirit that in all of this there's a boundary, there's a limit. Like I said earlier on, that. If God is sovereign, right, supreme in authority and power, but we will we not cast out all devils out of the earth because he understand the contract is signed, the least contract is signed with Adam, with humanity. Likewise, you and I, who are believers, there are boundaries our authority has 
boundaries. So let's quickly get, start getting to it. I, I, I talked about Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Uh, because of my time, I will not be able to read it, or, uh, read it through. The Bible says, We wage war, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Have you seen principalities before? Against powers. Have you seen powers before in the highest? I'm, I'm not talking about power in the sense of uh, uh, authority, human authority in government. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Heavenly realms. Right. So, we, we have, one second, we have my. So, in the spiritual realm, we have authority, but there's a limit. So, let me start getting into it. So, we know that uh, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, they are spiritual beings. Point number one, get this right, please. You can't cast out demons. You can't cast demons out of just anybody. Yeah. You can't cast demons out of just anybody. Now, Jesus said, the Bible says that, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, from verse 17, that in my name you cast out devils, but you can't cast devils out of just anybody. You can cast devils out of your own life if you, if you discern that is the devil operating in, in one area of, of your life. You can stand on your authority in Christ Jesus and, 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 and tell those demons to come out. The Bible says in James 4, 7 that we should resist the devil and you flee from us. But how do you resist the devil? You resist the devil by standing in the truth, walking in the truth. Amen. When the Bible says resist, resist, that word resist there means actively fight against. So actively stand against. So let's start from people. I'm going to go back to places. You can't cast demons out of just anybody. But you have authority over your life. I'm glad Shanice is here today. You have authority over your children. When depending, okay, okay, let me try to make it very, to make, to make me sound nice so that it doesn't sound like I'm very mean. And I don't want it to be scary. So patient, uh, parent, bear with me. I'm going to try to smash this. Yeah. Now, when your kids are still very little, you know, like so Erica and the rest, when they're still very little, you can, you have authority. You can cast out devils out of them because they've not reached an age where we, that we call the age of accountability, an age whereby they can choose to do evil. They know something is evil. They know something is right. And they can choose to do evil or do right. Kids do all manner of nasty stuff, but let me tell you, they don't know better. They're not, they not thinking. They're just being messy. I'm exploring. Like they're growing. Parents, watch this. But when a child reaches that age of accountability, when they can decide for themselves whether to do evil or good. Parents, your authority over their life is limited. I repeat, your authority, your spiritual authority over their life is limited. This is not to scare you, and that's why I struggled a little bit to explain this. Your authority over your child's life is limited. Watch this. See, the impact of your prayer only goes so far as to how much your children want to submit to the power of God. These are real stuff. I'm, you know, these, are, these are practical stuff in spiritual things. I see some parents, they, they fast, they pray, but when they look at the life of the child, the child has not changed one bit. 
Now, the best prayer you can say for a child is that God will make him or her, or will bring people there his way, men and women, young and old, to communicate the gospel to this person, to help them see the need to come to Christ. And children should hear me very well. Some children say things like, my mother is a prayer, my mother is a praying person, my father is a praying some, some, uh, person, I, I, believe, I believe that prayer will cover me. You are deceived. In my lifetime, I will not tell you my age, in my lifetime, I've observed people, prayerful parents, and I've seen how their, the life of their children who are careless has gone down. Then these parents come over, when they see the devil having three course meal in the life of their child, and all his family, they start praying, they start fasting, they start casting out, and they are not seeing results. No matter how much you pray, once a child reaches that age of accountability where they can decide to choose evil, you know, they can decide to choose to do evil or not, once they get to that age, they pray, the best prayer you can pray for them is God should, to enlighten their eyes of understanding, to see the need for change in their life. I'm sure that's not scary. So the best you can do for a child is to train them from a child to know the Lord and to be able to walk with the Lord. But that doesn't mean they will not come across some mad people as they go out. But try your best. But, but to think at a, a, a child at the age of 16, 17, you want to start the walk, is God alone who can help you miraculously. So parents, your spiritual authority over your child is limited. Because they can choose to yield their mind to God or not. Likewise, myself as a pastor, I pray for everybody every day. Every day. I pray for everybody every day. Call you guys' names and I carry, I carry everyone, every, every member of the church family, I carry you guys in my mind every day. Not even one for one hour, continuously. You can ask my wife, I might be in bed and I'll call somebody's name. This person, Father, I will pray for this person or this person. I think this will be helpful for them, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I think it's supernatural because my mind cannot contain that naturally. And that's because God has called me to this. But trust me, no matter how much I pray for you guys, and I, no matter how much, it's the degree to which you choose to yield your mind to the Lord that something will happen in your life. You know, back then, I used to think pastors failed when, they, when their church members are messing up. Later, I realized that the pastor does not have right of control or spirituality over them. And this is to warn you, to warn you very carefully. You know, those churches and those pastors, when they were talking about covering, they are covering over you. See, it's it's gimmick. It's, it's, it's calm. What kind of authority do they have over you? Even they themselves, they are not sure of a covering over their life. What kind of stupid covering is that? Nobody has a, go and watch, nobody has any covering over, can provide any covering over anybody. I say it. Go and, go and look at those churches where they claim covering. Go and take your time to carefully observe the life of the members of the church. The kind of evil and demonic things happen to, happening to the people. So, 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 so what, what's happening to the covering of the pastor? And the devil is eating, whining, and dining in the life of the church members. And is he or she is holding them down, controlling them, manipulating them under the guise of covering. What a stupid covering. Even Jesus did not claim any covering over people. He raised his disciples and he sent them out. Jesus raised disciples and sent them out. He never claimed any covering over anyone. I will repeat to you. Things you did not see the disciples of Jesus do, don't do it. 
People should open their Bible and show me in the Bible where the covering is. I'm talking about boundaries of spiritual authority here. Where is covering in the Bible? You know, come under our covering. No, they are inviting to come under a court and demonic coverings. A demonic influence. They are inviting you to come into a space where human beings become your source of protection. It's evil. So if you, are, if you remain in the place that God has told you to get out of, and you remain there all in the name of a covering, you have been skimmed. So what if the man dies or the woman dies? What happens to your covering? It's, it's done with, right? It's ended. Let's wake up and think. No man of God has, compl- no, has, has authority over your spiritual life. I repeat, no man or woman of God has authority over your spiritual life. Every man's spiritual authority is forced on their life. Because if the man of God himself cannot even, with all due respect, with all, this, with all due respect, with all due respect, many of these people who claim spiritual covering, what is the life of, your children, of their children like? You know why I'm talking about this? And I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm not saying that the fact that you do a good job with a parent that, that on a child, that the child will not turn badly. But from experience and careful observation, many pastors and prophets who claim this covering, I have seen the life of their children, the ones I very much respected. I know what is going on behind the scene. And I'm like, your covering is not even enough to cover your child. Who is a representative of the kingdom of darkness? And we know what they are doing on social media. And you are claiming covering over other people of the church, other members of the church, and you are manipulating them. You are, this is evil. A lie and deception. Each and every one of us must understand the boundaries of our authority. The authority you have is your authority that Jesus gave you over the works of darkness. Not over people. Get it clearly. The authority God gave you in Christ Jesus is over the powers of darkness, not over people. I'll repeat it. The authority you have received, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go therefore, preach the gospel, make disciples of men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. So that is a, a lie. Praise the Lord. Well, that was my... Uh, my I think my third point, but it came up first. So I did that one. So let's move to the next one. So, uh, so first of all, we said you can't cast out devils in just anyone, right? You can cast out devils in your life. So the second point is this. Talking about boundaries. The devils you can cast out of people is when people come to you and they say, I need help. Friends, spiritual things are very serious. Spiritual things are what? They are very serious. And I'm so much grateful to God for the things He's taught me. You know, sometimes I pass instructions to people. The people who do it, they they see the result. The people who don't do it, all the best. And when I say instructions, I I don't force things down on people. I don't force things on people. As I pick it in my spirit, you may want to consider this. You may want to think about this. 
you know, someone was about to write their driving test. And um, I just felt, felt in my spirit to tell them, go and watch YouTube videos. I like how this person responds to, you know, the counsel I give them. They have a lesson instructor and they were paying a lot of money every week and started watching YouTube videos. And they, they found, they, they learned so many things that their instructor has not even told them. And when they were going out on one of their driving uh, lessons, they did things that even the instructor was kind of surprised to see them do that because if they were thinking properly, they didn't teach, the, they didn't teach them. You know, this person, they had a, have a choice to either obey or not. Whether they do or not, I've said my own, I'll pray for them, and that's it. Amen. So I'm trying to say something here. The people who consider me a pastor, as a shepherd, as a leader over this household, and people don't understand that I know my boundaries. I don't force things on people. I don't lead people. I don't, I don't press. I don't push people. The people who consider me a shepherd, that God has called me to be a leader, to be a shepherd, to be a guide, not their Lord. And they submit to my authority. I'm easily able to deal with demons and situations in their life. Some people may, may, may render lip service to respecting me ah, as a pastor, as a pastor. But once the moment they, I turn my back or they turn their back or they leave, it's something else. They reap the consequence. It's so easy. Amen. I'm trying to say this with caution so that people don't misinterpret what I'm saying. What I'm trying to call out here is this. Submission in, in Christianity is powerful. That's why you have to be very careful who you submit to. I'm very careful who I submit to. I've seen the power. I, I, I know the power of submission. Some men of God, I do not mistakenly submit to them because I understand the power of submission. I know what, the moment I submit to them, I know how it can affect the church family because I know the covetousness and the evil going on in the life of those people. Amen. I'm, I'm, just by, I'm just walking by faith with God. I've seen so much evil. So if the Lord is not instructing me to work with someone, there was someone I was going to go help, you know, join their ministry and help them, you know, stuff like that. And the Lord instructed me and warned me not to make that move. This person, is a, they're, they're kind of, a, you know, I know them quite close. He said, I should not make that move. If I had made that move, they had a senior pastor, I would have come under them. I think we'll have had some very horrible fight. Things will have been so sour and dirty and messy now. Because God showed me certain things and, I, and I'm seeing those things come and I saw those things come through. Amen. And I, and I, and I saw how it will have probably damaged my marriage, destroyed my marriage if I had gone under the authority. We submit to matter a lot. So I'm saying to you, the demons you can cast out in people is the one that the people come to submit to your authority. They, they recognize that you're a child of God. You have authority. So if people don't come to you don't go and put your nose in what is not your business. I was trying to explain this to some people earlier on, um, some time ago. I said, <laughs> so why I am, one of the reasons why I believe myself and many other pastors are kind of safe, you know, we deal with a lot of demonic things, but we are still safe to a very much extent is because we operate from the place of our authority. We operate, we operate from our lane. If you don't come, I will not go out there to deal with you, to deal with any demon in people's lives.
So if I was going to pray with someone and they said, no, I don't want, that's it. Because you can only exercise and enforce your authority as far as you have the, as far as you are given the right to operate. God will not come down into the earth to do anything except we invite him and except we call him through the place of prayer, except we, we involve his power by enforcing our authority in the words we speak. Can I say something to you? When you speak the word of God, you are getting God involved in that situation. So part of the way you enforce your authority, please take notes because my, I, have time, I have about 11 minutes and I have to call out a lot of stuff because we're not going to talk, talk about this next week. So talking about enforcing your authority, you can put it in the circle on the side and at the end of the day, you can put all your notes together. Now, I said that, you know, you can bring God in. God will not step in because there's a contract, there's a lease with Adam, with humanity, and Satan is the God of this world, is in charge of this world. And that's why Satan can affect your finances, can do all manner of stuff. Satan has a right. Get it straight. So it's either you come under the power of Satan and be moaning and be crying and be grumbling, or you get God involved in the situation by speaking the word of God over that situation. Amen. It's either you receive, you accept a, a, a life of defeat or you choose to believe what God has done for you in Christ Jesus and stand by it and stand on it and stand for it. Amen. Suicidal thoughts, all those kind of things. I can pray for people, encourage people, but the best I can do is to bring them here where I have authority and teach them the word of God. If you stay under the teachings and things I'm sharing with you guys and you choose to believe and hold on to it, suicidal thoughts will leave you. So, so, so suicidal thoughts, where? In my mind, where? How? He, he can't even knock on my door. Amen. So you are not a defeated fool. You are not a, you are not a victim. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. Romans chapter 8. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loved you. So you know, now you know God's boundaries in terms of authority, right? And you know you have to bring him in into your situation by speaking his word over that situation. Praying according to his word. Not surrounding yourself with people who will, who, who, who will fill your mind with how you don't know what God is trying to do. You don't know what God is wanting to do. Uh, give me, let me give a very good example. So, one of the reasons why I don't have much friends is this. I used to be part of a church, large community. I came out of that church, I don't think I have up to two friends or one. Because they have this, because majority have this belief. You know, you, so you, you expect you go to a big church so that you can make community, you can community and friends and stuff like that. But you'd be surprised that sometimes in the big churches, not up to 2% of them know the gospel. Sad, right? That's why community and relationship should not be your priority when you're joining the church. But first, the word of God that's able to build you up, that's able to strengthen you, that's able to deliver you from the power of darkness. So this guy approached me one day. So what happens to this family is this. Each time anyone who has a flu or even sneezes visits this family, they are all knocked down with flu. Knocked down to the point that they can't walk. So this is not normal. Somebody came into your house and just sneezed and all of you are down with flu for weeks. It doesn't make sense. And I said to him, I said, do you realize that you can resist this kind of thing, attacks in a sense? I didn't call it attacks. I said, but you can resist these things. He said, no, 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 no. Suffering is part of life. The moment he said it, I stepped back. That was the last time I had a conversation with this guy. 
not not that I want, not in a meaning a mean way, but I don't want such people in my life where you'll be pouring death into my life, telling me all manner of evil things. Guys, the power, Bible tells us the power of death and life lies on the tongue. The power of death, Proverbs chapter 18, the power of death and life lies on the tongue. When people are speaking to you, and the movies you watch, and the things you hear, the music you hear, young people listen to that, you are either receiving death or life. I don't allow many people in my life because what I know they carry 24-7 is death. And many of them, now if there were people who were open to hearing, open to learning, sure, why not? I will encourage, I will share things from the Bible, will build one another up because I'm not perfect. I can learn from them. But many people that I know, particularly Africans, they are so rigid in their thinking. It is what they know or nothing else. So, so if you are not open to learning and, you, and what you have is death and that is what you want me to believe, we can't be friends. We can meet in parties. We can meet in places. We love each other. We go home. Friends, you have to learn to protect your mind. Protect. Do you know what the Bible says? It says, guard your heart with all diligence because what you do comes out of it. Be mindful of what you allow people to speak into your life. Come January, there's some people I'm, re, I'm, I'm excavating out of my life. Because I, a few people... Their, their, their expertise is speaking death into my life. And I've had enough. I've had enough. And sincerely, some people don't know. But why should you be dying because of one kind of funny relationship? 2020 is going to be an exciting year because some people will see a Sunday they have never seen before. Because every, every door that is a channel for the devil to pour death into my life Hinder me from doing what God has called me to do. As many of them I recognize, I'm shutting them. It's going to be painful of my flesh, but I'm going to shut them because I still have many more years ahead of me. I've lost many years, but from, 20, from now on, 2023 going forward, I want to start planting seeds of greatness, of prosperity, of breakthroughs for the year, many years ahead of me. And the fact that you are 55 doesn't mean that you're too late because if you're going to live up to 90, you still have... You still have um, 35 years. So you just, you just want to waste it. Praise the Lord. So, I don't know where I stopped. But I'm carrying on as I'm led by the Spirit. But I know I'm talking about God's boundaries, your boundary. You can't cast demons out of anybody. Neither your children who are grown up, who have, a, who have, a age, who have attained the age of accountability, Right, and um, you know, I, I call that Romans chapter six, verse sixteen. So let me. So the other side to it is this: if someone comes to you and they say, "You know what? I have a problem," and you discern is demonic, watch this: the demon you can cast out is the one that the host is willing to let go of. I repeat: the demon you can cast out of someone who even comes to you and say, "Ah, Pastor Tunde, I need help," is the one the host. When I say the host, is a person who has been, you know. Uh, who has been affected by all those demonic manipulations, so to say, is the one they are willing to let go of. See, a person who likes prostituting, right, and they, and they enjoy the pleasure, and, they, and demons begin to accommodate them, suicidal thoughts, depression, and kind of stuff. See, you're just wasting your time. The person must be, first of all, willing and ready to let go of that lifestyle. Because the demons in sexual immorality are one of the most dangerous demons I've ever confronted in my entire life. 
You wonder why many, many teenagers are suicidal in their thinking? Because they are consuming immorality on social media. And the demons in that place, they will do... Because, I mean, they're they are one of the fastest road to destruction. Think lust, think obscenity, think pornography, all manner of things that are around sexual immorality. The demons in that space are the most dangerous demons I've ever confronted in my entire life. I'm telling you the truth. People can choose to believe or not. And that's why they would do everything to normalize sexual immorality for you in the movies and everything. Because those demons, they may not take you out now, but they will start the journey in your life to take you out in a couple of years or so many years to come. So one, of, one of the greatest strengths of the devil is patience. Hello? Write it down. One of the greatest strengths of the devil is patience. So when you start a journey, uh, you know, friends, I've done stuff in my life and I've been beaten, I've suffered terrible consequences. The greatest, the greatest strength of the devil is patience. So when he's get starting you on a journey, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, we are not going too far, you know, this is how far we can go. Now we're not going to do that, we're not going to do it. Okay, yeah, 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 that one is sin, okay, but we can do this. No, he's, he's setting, he's prepping you for disaster in the future. Amen. So I hope you got that one right. Let me. I have a lot in my notes, but I. God is amazing. You know, just brought that to my spirit. I mean, that's the last one point I had on my notes, but and I mean, I opened my mouth and it started coming out. I'm like, but Lord, that's not what I want to talk about. Yeah, that's why I moved from authority in a, in a, in a, in a, in, a, in an area down to person. But let me get get into an area. So the Bible talks about um, in Second Corinthians ten four to five. He said, um, "Let's go there." Second Corinthians ten. So 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which means they are not physical, but they are might, but mighty through mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down argument or imaginations, and every eye thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So when we talk about strongholds there, what can you see? What can you read? Take your time to read those, those, uh, those verses again later on. When, when you think strongholds, we're talking about argument, imaginations, evil, demonic, deceptive imaginations in people's minds. Strongholds is not demons operating in an area. So when people tell you that, let's go into a place and go and pull down the strongholds. If you want to really pull down strongholds in, some, in an area, go preach the gospel. I repeat, if you want to really pull down stronghold in an area, go preach the gospel. That's something I was going to share with you. Let me do that very quickly. Friends, demons operate through people. If people are advocating a lot of bad stuff, you know, we, we, see, we, 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 we see all the time, or most of the time, that there's so much darkness in the world, but how do you recognize that darkness? It is what people are doing. When, you're, when the teenagers, you know, Teenage pregnancy and all manner of evil that we're seeing with teenagers. You know, riot and all kind of stuff. I would say there's so much darkness in the world. There's murder. All manner of evil going on that we talk about. How did we, how do we, or did we recognize those evil? People are doing the evil. So what I'm trying to say is that Satan devils, they walk through people. They put stuff in people's mind and influence people to take decisions, to destroy things. 
So the strongholds, strongholds and evil that you see is in people's mind. When you see crime and gangs and increase in an area, what are the people... How are those crimes happening? It is people do ex executing, you know, carrying out this crime, crime, performing these things. So when you see evil in an area, prostitution, all manner of things in an area, see, you don't go there and try to cast out demons in the air. No, you, the same channel through which, the, through which those people are infected to carry out the plans and the schemes of the devil, that same channel is what you should do. You should, you should go for and that's the mind. So if we are not preaching the gospel, if we are not speaking the truth, and all our teenagers and young people see on the media is light, deception, evil, especially from those celebrities, what you will see is a manifestation of demons in your homes. All those demonic games that young boys are playing. So if you want to put down, pull down strongholds in cities, do you know what you do? You preach the gospel, you speak the truth, you remove the source of evil in those societies and you will see the word of God prevail. You see crime rate drop. Cancel TikTok in UK. Cancel TikTok in UK. I mean, on applications, on devices, you know, yeah, just ban TikTok in UK and see how anxiety and suicidal rate drops. Cancel Facebook in the UK. Cancel Instagram in the UK. And you will see how evil rates will drop. Block pornographic channels from entering the people's internet in the UK. And you will see how evil drops. Ban some movies that are 18 rated, that are gory, evil, demonic, and see how evil drops. So the crime and the evil you see in the world, the, the manifestation, manifestation of demons you see in the world is a function of what people are given to in their mind. A person who is struggling with depression and anxiety, pull them out of environments where people are feeding the anxiety and the depression and see how they start experiencing peace. You start putting the, you start putting the good news in their mind and you will see this person who is horrible, horrible looking, society becomes to look more beautiful, more attractive and more peaceful. So we need to understand the boundaries of our authority. That there, is lim there are limits to which we can, we can, we can operate. We can operate in our lives, and when people submit themselves to us, to our authority in Christ Jesus, and provided those people to want to let go, and even in your life, if you really enjoy and you, you want to continue your relationship with some demonic people in a sense, right? You see, that situation cannot leave you. See, God cannot deliver you from your friend. God cannot deliver you from your friend because you have to be willing to let go. In the book of John chapter 5, the guy that Jesus healed, Jesus said, go and sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. So which means your healing and deliverance is likely not to be permanent. Your healing and your deliverance is likely not to be permanent depending on what you are feeding yourself with, who you are opening yourself to to come into your life, through what you watch, who you listen to, and the company you keep. Amen. So the authority you have in Jesus has limitation of, limitation, limits of operation. You can't, you can't wake up in the morning and say, in the name of Jesus, who, who, how are you enforcing your authority? In which space? In which area? So don't try to cast people out. Say, I cast this. Okay, okay, let, me, okay. Uh, let me pack that. 
Finally, I'm way out of time. Finally, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Finally. Guys, you know, you know how I teach that this kind of teaching I would have done it for like maybe maybe 12 weeks. Eh? We need to revisit. So I'm I'm here, I'm getting feedback from in-house here that we need to revisit this. I will come, I will come big. Guys, give me this five minutes. Let me let, let's let's this is. Christmas jumper day, right? Next week is, uh, we have Christmas party next week, right? So if you're watching us online for the first time, right? Say this is Transformers Church and then their pastor is just like that. There's nothing you can do about him. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Please take care, pay careful attention to this part. If you missed everything else that I've said, you shouldn't have missed it. Pay careful attention to this part. You are blessed for this extra five minutes. Watch this. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Say works of the flesh. Say works of the flesh. So when the Bible says flesh, it's talking about the unrenewed part of your mind. The part of your mind that's been trained to sin. Not you, but your mind. The ungodly way of thinking of you. So now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like of, which means there are more. Right? Let me finish, let me finish that one. Uh, come on, don't do this with me. Right, I lost it. So, uh, let me, where did I stop? And the like, verse 21. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice, watch this, who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at it. Paul was talking about people who practice these things. Now, the Bible says they are work of the flesh. It didn't say the work of demons. So somebody given to adultery, fornication, and they come to you as a pastor or a Christian, and you say, I cast out the spirit of fornication out of you. You are wasting your time and you're embarrassing the authority and the power of God. So when I said God cannot deliver you from your friend, see, many things that many believers are dealing with today, they are not demonic. They are just they are works of the flesh. They just need to renew their mind. So some people, they will not remove themselves from the source of all of these evil things and they will be praying for deliverance. You will not see it. I wish to say you will not see it in Jesus' name. But that will sound like a curse. You will not see that deliverance. It's not a curse. Because you can't be feeding yourself with poison and expect to be healed, to, to, to live a healthy lifestyle. It, it doesn't work that way. I repeat, you cannot be feeding yourself with poison and expect to be well. You can't be feeding your mind on lust, adultery, fornication, envy, bitter, murder, and think you will be sane. And, because, and when you see these things constantly operating in your life, you, start, you, you are going from deliverance to deliverance. Some, deliver, some people don't need deliverance. The deliverance they need is to cancel TikTok. It's to go on social media. It's to leave some friends. So that's all the deliverance they need in their life. Me, I know that. For me, I know that one of the deliverance I need in my life is to cut off from some people. And I'm coming in January. That's all the deliverance I need. And you will see it. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, what I've, I've said that to say is not everything that looks demonic 
that he said he wants to cast out the demon. Look at those catalog of sin, of works of the flesh. So when you are dealing with people, you need to investigate also, except the Holy Spirit tells you, you need to investigate also, what are you feeding yourself with? Now, some people, demons got into their life because they are practicing those things. And trust me, if you're practicing those things, demons will accommodate you. We can cast out the demon, but if you're not ready to change the way you think and stop feeding yourself on those things, those things will come back into your life. And it seems like you have not delivered in the first place. Then you're looking for the next deliverance. Praise the Lord. I rest my case. Next week, I'm going to be talking about Christmas. Is Christmas a pagan worship? I'm not raising stupid people. I'm raising intelligent people. So I will give you stuff, sound stuff. You know, we met one silly guy at the, at the, at the station. At, um, so, okay, my wife and I, on Friday, we decided to just chill and just uh, visit, uh, go to the town station, uh, to, to, what do you call it again? City centre, the shopping centre in Meeting Kings here. And as we go, on our way back home, then we saw one guy who was one of the cleaners. And, you know, there's a, there's a nativity area. I think I took a picture, right? There's a nativity area. So, first, the, the last time we saw the nativity area, Jesus was missing, the baby was missing in the... Uh, in the manger. So this time around, let me saw the baby. Ah, the baby is back. So we're laughing about it. And this, this guy came and pointed at a star on, on top of the building. He said, look at that. That's a sign of Antichrist. I was like, I was, I was still looking. I said, whoa, 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 where's the sign? And it wasn't a man of garbage, a man of nonsense. You know what I said to him? I said, you know what? I said, that's what you believe. So he, he, said, he said a lot of nonsense. Time will not allow him to go into details. I said, you know what, that's what you believe. This is what I believe. And walked away. Because he was countering, he said, you know, Jesus was not born disease. Jesus is this, the name of Jesus. He said, he said that the devil was born on December 25th. And he spoke so convincingly. And all man of nonsense was saying, I said, you know what? He said, you know, I said, I've literally raised the dead, healed the sick, cast out devils in the name of Jesus. He said, no, Jesus is not his name. I saw what's his name. He said, no, Jesus is not. I said, also, what's his name? He's, you, are you sure? I said, you know what? That's what you believe. This is what I believe. Have a nice day. And we went on. We moved on. I don't know who his pastor was. I don't even know whatever he says. He said, all of these things, they are pagan worship. I said, guy, I said, I did an intensive study on Christmas. And I gave him a few bits of it. But it was just so adamant to what he believed. And it's just so sad. And, and there are many of them out there. Amen. So, I'll show you in service next week when I talk about it so that you can be confident, you know, and not feel uncomfortable when people attack you on social media and say, you know what, uh, Christmas is a pagan worship, a pagan festival, I mean. Amen. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word that's come to us. We thank you for edifying us, for beating us up. We thank you, Father, that you are helping us to come to the, to, to the point where we really, know, we really know who we are in Christ Jesus and the boundaries of our authority. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray for the church family and anyone connecting with us online that will be able to walk in the reality of the authority that we have in Christ Jesus and practice it all the time, walk in it conveniently, comfortably, and so that we can enforce our authority, see the results you want us to see in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God.